Hey, this is Jacqueline Kitzman, and uh, we're going to play a fun game of Will My Microphone Die before I get to the end of this episode. We'll take uh, we'll take some bets. You guys just bet. If I just stop, literally stop talking altogether, uh, you'll know the podcast isn't coming out. Anyway, do you guys like the way I start this podcast? <laughs> this is the Awakened Hero Podcast. Um, those of you who know this podcast and clicked on and heard the in the chaos that started, like, 0.2 seconds in absolutely know this is Jacqueline and that this is the Awakened Hero podcast but for those who are listening to this for the first time go listen to some other episodes go don't start here start start somewhere else there start somewhere else <laughs> um we are talking about the hermit card today and the death line I have been executive dysfunctioning procrastinating on this for about an hour so I really feel like I've marinated in the hermit energy now and yeah I did you know what this is up this episode is going to be so lit if the microphone doesn't die <laughs> Uh, let's jump into the collective reading right now. Everybody's absolute favorite part of the podcast. We have a genocide happening in Palestine. Please don't turn away from what's happening. Please look into what is happening. Please donate money or time or even just the energy to to witness what's happening. Be on the right side of history here. Thank you. There's a war happening in Ukraine. Um, that is still happening. Pay attention to that. We've got uh, just again and continuously so, waves of horrendous anti-trans legislation just being pushed across red states in this country. And we are getting closer and closer and closer to um, the Republican and the Democratic National Conventions deciding who our people are going to be. Well, I say that as if the DNC hasn't already decided that it's going to be Joe fucking Biden. Um, What is that song that Bo Burnham wrote? That's like, you're really going to make me vote for Joe Biden, Joe, Joe, Joe. Everything he's doing right now fucking sucks. Student loans, Roe v. Wade, refusing to codify it, deciding to bomb fucking Yemen because Yemen is supporting Palestine. So, you know, actively not just donating money to a genocide happening in Palestine, but also like starting World War Three. World War Three is not starting, but it's not a, it is, but it's not going to not start if we keep bombing Yemen. Um, so that's happening. Uh, I, I highly recommend again researching and doing your doing the work that goes into understanding what is happening in the world yeah because there's 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 a lot just going on that is one affecting the collective energy and that's important to pay attention to but also it's affecting humans and we have empathy here and we love humans and it makes us sad when bad things happen horrible things happen i don't think there's a word in the English language that can properly convey the absolute fucking awful tragedy happening in Palestine right now. So moving into, well, actually I do want to take a minute here. I literally do not have time to be doing this because my microphone again, really, really and truly is about to go, mm. but I got a review this week on my podcast and normally I won't pay attention to like one star reviews normally, unless it's like really, like really, really fucking valid. And there have been one star reviews that are really fucking valid. Okay. And I've talked about those. You can specifically go back and listen to, um, you know, I think it's like the fourth episode of season three, fourth or fifth. It's on the emperor. Go back. That was a one star review that had so much merit, but sometimes I get one star reviews and they're just like, you use they, them pronouns when talking about the, the empress. So I hate you. And to me, that's not exactly what they said. I am paraphrasing, but it's pretty close uh, to like the heart of their comment. But essentially here is why I talk about, and I talked about this in my AMA today for Patreon, but this is why I talk about the emperor and the empress when I'm teaching tarot and I, and I don't attribute gender to them. I'm not sitting there. I am using they, them pronouns, but they, them pronouns in the singular form have existed 
forever. Okay. Like I say it all, like we all say it. We all say they, them pronouns, like with everything. The reason I do not attribute gender to the empress and the emperor, and I'm saying this as a cisgendered person is because when I am teaching tarot, I'm teaching in a way that makes the cards universal. When you are reading tarot personally, and when I'm reading for myself, there are things that the empress means for me as a as a woman who struggles with, with, as a cis woman who struggles with infertility because of my stage four endometriosis, the empress means something personal to me. And yes, it does reflect my gender for me reading that card. But when, if I try to connect to the emperor, it makes it harder for me to connect to the emperor if I don't have a way to connect to it outside of it just meaning patriarchy, men, like that doesn't hold true. So while there are cards that mean something personally to me, it's not just gender. And so when you're teaching the cards, taking it outside of gender and 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 opening it up, opening the dialogue of how we talk about these cards up so that it is more inclusive. And so it's not alienating people from connecting to a card in a certain way. That's important. So to that person who left that comment, if you're still somehow listening to this, I really and truly doubt you are. I really hope that you open up your heart and your mind a little bit to uh, to other people's lives and perspectives, not just trans people, cis people too, their lives, their perspectives, their hardships, their things outside of your own personal gaze. Because I'm not telling anybody that they cannot prescribe gender to cards because it can be an incredibly important thing to for trans people, for cis people to attribute and connect with a certain card in regards to gender. That is beautiful. But I am responsible for teaching tarot, or at least that is the responsibility I have taken upon myself by deciding to do a podcast. Actually, Gabe kind of made me do the podcast. So this is the responsibility bestowed, bestowed to me by Gabe. That's a joke. It's on me to teach people how to relate to the cards without just saying Empress is for girls and emperor is for boys because that is transphobic and homophobic and just really not even helpful to cis people. So I'm going to continue to teach that way. How you see a card personally is for you and for you to relate to. Because quite frankly, if we were going to play the cards that way, then like you literally like the majority of the cards in, in the tarot altogether are like men. So is tarot, like, what do you say? Like, I just think that we need to kind of like open our minds a little bit here and have like some actual concrete discussion about why I'm doing this. Like, do I absolutely believe in they, them pronouns? 110 fucking percent. And I'm teaching people how to connect to the cards in their own way and how to find connections with cards outside of just putting people and, and readers and cards in boxes. I just don't feel like this should be some sort of controversy that leads people to leaving one star reviews on my podcast. I think that's really fucking silly. So today we are talking about the hermit. I still have batteries, so that is good. Um, the hermit is card nine in the tarot. I'm looking at the card right here. Um, the hermit is, I'll explain the figure to you. It is a person um, in a big, a big, it is a long gray cloak. Um, they have a long white beard. You could say they look like Gandalf in a, in a way. They have a walking stick in their hand. In the other hand, they are holding a lantern. One of the things that I don't think we pay enough attention to in the symbology or the imagery of this card is that inside the lantern is literally the star. 
And we'll come back to that and talk about that with this card. But they're holding a lantern, which is lit by the star. Um, and then they are standing and kind of like on the ground. They're kind of standing in a snowy, barren place somewhere where it somewhere uninhabitable, right? Like in like like the tundra, essentially, like nobody can live in Antarctica. Nobody fucking lives there. It's too cold. Like you are not supposed to live there. So we're talking about like very like purposeful isolation here. Like they didn't just wind up isolated they put themselves somewhere where they knew other humans would not be um and card nine and we're talking about nines in the tarot altogether we are talking about um honoring the self kind of reflecting on the self and the action so this makes a lot of sense with the hermit altogether um before I get into telling you about how I read the hermit and all of that I want to go to our dear friend our dear 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 kind of misogynistic friend kind of being just really not putting enough emphasis on the misogynistic <laughs> aspects of of this man however you know it, it was the times so let's read this um we'll see what he's got to say the variation from the conventional models in this card is that the lamp is not enveloped partially in the mantle of its bearer who blends the idea of the ancient of days with the light of the world it is a star which shines the lantern. I have said that this card of attainment, uh, blah, 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 blah. I have said that this is a card of attainment. And to extend this conception, the figure is seen holding up his beacon of an eminence. Therefore, the Hermit is not as Court de Gablen explained, Gablen is spelled capital G-E-B-E-L-I-N, explained, a wise man in search of truth and justice, nor is he, as a later explanation proposes, an especial example of experience. His beacon intimates that where I am, you may also be. It is further a card which is understood quite incorrectly when it is connected with the idea of occult isolation as the protection of personal magnetism against admixture. This is one of the frivolous renderings which we owe to Eliphas Levi. Feel bad for that guy. Arthur over here just throwing him under the bus. It has been adopted by the French. I say that as if I actually know this person. He could be awful and deservedly being thrown under the bus. I don't know. Just saying. It has been adopted by the French order of Martinism and some... Turning the page. And some of us have heard a great deal of the silent and unknown philosophy enveloped by his mantle from the knowledge of the profane. In true Martinism, the significance of the term philosophy in Canu was of another order, it did not refer to the intended concealment of the instituted mysteries, much less of their substitutes, but like the card itself to the truth that the divine mysteries secure their own protection from those who are unprepared. I will say that he does make note of it that it is a star that shines in the lantern and that this is a card of attainment. Um, I do think that that is interesting um, and I do want to talk about the star in there. The star and the lantern for me. So one of the things, one of the phrases I talk about when I talk about the star and we'll get there obviously in the rebirth line, but it's a guiding light towards home. Um, the star, especially the North Star that we have in the star card, it's the North Star. It's the star that the three wise men followed towards Jesus. It's the star that Harriet Tubman used to help free slaves and help help slaves find freedom using the Underground Railroad. Um it is a compass. It's what navigators and sailors and vo voyagers, they used the North Star as kind of this guiding light and a compass. Um, and so when we talk about the star, and we talk about wishing on a star. It's really it's kind of this idea of 
really taking that star, putting it in front of us and being like, where am I going? Where is home for me? What is my purpose? That's what we are silently observing in the hermit. And if you remember back a couple episodes ago, maybe like two to three episodes ago, where I'm talking about the death line, I talk about this card in regards to like the caterpillar deciding to build up a chrysalis. Like this is the part where the caterpillar goes to find isolation and goes to withdraw itself to re literally to recreate itself and it doesn't know why it's doing it does not know the caterpillar does not know that it is building a chrysalis and that by the time it's completely enclosed in that chrysalis to the time it comes out it's no longer going to be a caterpillar it's not going into the chrysalis thinking i'm going to be transforming it's not thinking that it's just following instinct the same way that when we go into the hermit now we're humans we have a little bit more thought processes thought processes in us than a caterpillar but like for the most part we do not plan withdrawing ourselves and isolating and reconfiguring things. It just is a natural part of our cycles. Um, I think some people are more introverts are more like, um, I think introverts have a more intimate or natural connection to this card than extroverts. I don't think Ian would mind me using him as an example. You're, my friend Ian, he's been on the podcast several times. He is a true intro, introvert. Ex, no, he's not. He would literally die cackling laughing. He is a true extrovert. He gains energy by being around people. He is best friends with me, a true introvert who would literally hide in a corner of her home or in her bed happily for days on end and just feel like never have the desire to leave. Ian will have moments where he's like, I just really feel like I need to not do something. And that's a, that's a terrifying thing for him because he loves being around friends, loves being around people, loves talking. That's where he gets his energy. And there is nothing scarier or more important for him as he's moving through different processes than to have to sit with himself and make decisions just based off of his own desires, his own needs, his own purposes. Um, and to kind of reflect on his own energy. Whereas for people who are more introverted, like there's just, there's this kind of like uh, affinity for being being in a very quiet space where it's just you you get that energy from it you see yourself there's a lot of um awareness in in, in your need for rest there and so the hermit kind of encapsulates this that's a pun if you get that uh it encamp encapsulates okay so here's part of the issue is that i made myself a giant fucking pot of tea right um because i'm like doing this thing where i try to drink less caffeine well fuck me i made black tea so i've just been like sip sip sipping on an incredibly caffeinated listen you guys it's really hard to be to be in my brain okay and it's like a really bad time for this to happen because again the microphone really and truly gonna die any second the idea here is that the hermit kind of encapsulates this this place that we all need to be every single one of us even though it feels more natural to some than others this space of where it's just us where we are in a spot where we alone are being asked to sit with ourselves what are your desires what are your wants it's kind of like this moment and i really feel like it's very interesting that the the hermit kind of like visually looks like the emperor that long white beard, it's another moment for us to go back and look at what it means to, you know, in The Emperor, we talked about it being like this chance before you enter society to really kind of like find yourself and like what you like and what you want. And sorry if I sound, I truly, if I sound a little scattered, I'm so sorry. But essentially like the hermit here is another chance for us to go in and re-find ourselves. But it's not just refinding ourselves as we are. It's doing it 
And we don't know that through this process, we are changing. It's this need to reflect on ourselves, to refine our purpose. But by doing that, we are redirecting ourselves. Our compass is adjusting. And we're doing that by giving ourselves a little a little isolation, a little, a little hermity, a little like, and this doesn't even mean that we necessarily have to be like agoraphobic in our houses hiding from something, but like it's giving us a chance to really sit in with ourselves and, and to find our grounding again. It's really giving us a chance to reflect, psychoanalyze ourselves. Um, I'll go here and talk about how I wrote about the hermit. I do want to note that and when I talked about strength, I kind of talked about this idea of domestication. So when I my first line here, I say once we've tamed ourselves and I'm not necessarily sure that I agree with the sentiment that in strength we are domesticated. I think we are re I think we're kind of finding this mix of domestication versus feralness and wildness and kind of having this marriage between the two. So um, if I were going to rewrite this, I think I would have used a different word. I think I would use once we have accepted ourselves, once we've come into ourselves, once we've accepted blah, 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 like I would probably take out the word tamed, but we can get, we can get dive deeper into that and I'll read, you know, get into editing that later. But this is what I wrote on the hermit. Once we've tamed ourselves, accepted our journeys, Knowing we have not taken the path most traveled, our soul desires to sit in silence. We begin to wall ourselves in a cocoon. We are finding our light, finding the source spark, the little lamp of graced wisdom that wants to bring us safely inward. We are choosing here to look into the white light, to not just go towards it, but to embrace it and give over our control. In the hermit, truth can be painful. So we hold that truth away from us as a guide that gently asks us to consider ourselves. Who are we? What are we? Who do we need to become? In the hermit, we are breath, pure, quiet meditation and remembrance that spirit lives inside us. And we can and we learn that if spirit dwells within us, truth does as well. We pray vigilantly for our evolution as we finally and at last close ourselves in. Um, the questions I wrote with that are a card to embody our inner truth. Who are we? Why does this truth hurt us? What are we? How can we hold space for that truth? How can we accept that truth? What do we need to become? So those are the questions that I wrote with that card. Hermit is this chrysalis. It is a safe space, quiet space for us to go inward and figure our shit out. And that's, and it can be uncomfortable, but it's so important. And some of us will look at this and we'll be like, oh, it feels very, it feels a bit like a contraction, but it's not meant to be a con- a contraction as much as it is us allowing our brains and our hearts and our wants and our needs to expand. And for some people, especially people who have any kind of like trauma and like the it, asking for things is hard, or even allowing ourselves to really like think about what we want, that, like that can be really hard. And the hermit is kind of this, this shaving away of this exterior shell of what everybody else put on us and asking us, what the fuck do you actually want to do? What is your actual fucking goal? What actually feels good? Who are you? Who do you want to be? I saw this thing and it, and it just kind of like connected with me for the hermit here, but it it was a fucking TikTok. And it was basically this person saying, 
what you want is who you really is like who you want to be. And so, so often, like we'll sit here and be like, oh, if only I could do that. If I were this, I could do that. But this person was making the argument of like the things that you want is actually who you are. And this girl was actually talking about like, like being, being a lesbian, like being in a relationship with a man and then realizing that like what she wanted was a relationship with a woman, even though she didn't and had never really explored what attraction to women would feel like. And so she realized that what she wants is who she is. You just have to let yourself have it. And I thought that was a very interesting video and just like a very interesting phrase. And it really does connect with the hermit for me because what do you want? Who you are is what you want. Your wants and your desires, you know, as long as they're not to hurt other people, like they're all okay. And for so many of us, we shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it out. And we shut ourselves out away from it. It's almost like we incubate and 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 crystallize up, cocoon up the thing that we want. And we set it aside on a shelf and we say to ourselves, well, I can't have that. I can't do that. When instead, what we should be doing is allowing ourselves to be cocooned inside with the thing so that we can say, yes, we can. Yes, I do want this. I want this. Therefore, it is okay for me. Um, And I think that's that's kind of like the inner truth of the inner wisdom of the hermit. It is kind of like recalculating, recalibrating your GPS, rerouting. Where is the guiding light towards home? Where's your North Star right now for your body, for your soul, for your wants, for your desires, for your needs? Just, you know, all of that. When I pull the hermit in a reading, now again, major arcana versus minor arcana. Major arcana for me is kind of this energy that we pray to. So it's all of this stuff kind of happening around us. So there is that aspect to it. But when we pull this card in a reading or when I pull it for myself or for others, it's always kind of like, what is something that you need to consider? What are you actually wanting out of this? You're having a really hard time pursuing or like figuring out what you want to do as a career. Is it just because you don't like what you're doing now? You don't like what you're going to school for. You don't like what you've been doing. So what, what is it you actually want to do? You, you want to do something, but you say you don't have enough skills. So then how would you get yourself to a point where you get the experience for that? Is that what you actually want? You know, in a relationship reading is what you need actually alone time or is what you need to learn more about yourself and find yourself again, because there's a lot of codependence here. Is there a way that you two can work together to find you, to find you again? Is what you need a little bit of space? You're allowed to take space. Do you want to work for yourself? Do you want to break up and take space and find yourself again? Do you want to not break up and find yourself in a relationship? Is it time for you to really sit with your in meditation or in or in quiet breath with your deity, source, spirit, internal, whatever, and just really kind of ask yourself, what does this mean for me? And rather than shying away from it and being like, oh God, I don't even know what to do, just not being so afraid of that unknown or how do I do it and just doing it anyway. The hermit is just instinctual. We don't really like, we're going to find ourselves there anyway. We can't escape a contraction. And the entirety of the death line is us kind of like knowing that we're going to be going into a deep contraction. And the hermit's a contraction, but it is not even the deepest contraction. And really, like I said earlier, it's a little bit of an expansion because as we kind of go into a quiet space with ourselves, communion with ourself, we are expanding our wants, our desires, our inner knowing, and all of that is good and feels good. 
and we should pursue that. And that, and that's what the hermit is offering for us. It's, we have this inner truth, these inner needs, these inner desires. Who are we? What are we? What do we need to become? And you could even ask, you know, you could even add, like, if you needed more clarification to that question list, you could even ask, why do I need to do this? The hermit is really a chance for us to go back and reflect. Nines are a beautiful, beautiful chance and a beautiful space for us to go back and kind of edit, proofread, reflect, have that um, almost nostalgic experience of like, this is where it's all been leading up to. And, and kind of carving out that space and that moment for yourself to, to acknowledge it. And, and that's the beauty of the hermit. And it can be uncomfortable. But it's also an instinctual pull to the quiet. Um, and, and for that reason, I am, though I am a true introvert. But for that reason, I really, really love this card. There's nothing I love more than just a quiet moment to consider. And that's really what the hermit is. It's, it's considering our path. It's considering who, uh, ourselves. It's can, I think I wrote in here something that I really liked. <laughs> I, so I wrote something that I really like, and it was... Um, we are finding our light, finding the source spark, the little lamp of graced wisdom that wants to bring us safely inward. We're holding that light up before us so that we know that it's safe. And then when we're in the hermit, it should, we don't need to fear it. It can feel cozy. It can feel warm. It can feel like a big blanket around our shoulders. It can feel like a very soft, intuitive and pulling light. And I think that, you know, I think that that's beautiful. Okay, we are <laughs> at this point. The joke is just that I always forget that I have to do a collective reading. And the irony of that is that before I started this episode, I thought to myself, I got the I got my book out, I pulled up the workbook I needed for it. And then I asked myself, do you need anything else? And I said to myself, No, you don't you nailed it. Good job. So you good job you. And now I am uh, polling for the collective reading. I am, however, using my Somnia Tarot by Nicholas Bruno, which has been kind of like my comfort deck right now as I've been just kind of like dealing with life stuff. I'm about to pull a card for the collective for the next two weeks here. What do we get? We got the Ten of Swords. <laughs> Well, this makes a lot of sense. Um, we've just gone through like a pretty big astrological transit. Gabe may talk more about that. I can't remember if he's doing that this week or next week. Um, but essentially, we've kind of come to a place right now collectively for all of us where there is something in our life that has had a full circle moment where we're not growing with that thing anymore. And rather than like, and it doesn't need any, it could be like, it could be a little sad or it could be really happy, but we've kind of outgrown that space. We've come to a point of mastery with it and we have survived it. And now it's time to just kind of allow ourselves to the, uh, one of the cool things about the Somnia deck by Nicholas Bruno is just like the imagery of this card of the cards, just in general, they are beautiful, beautiful. I, um, I think that as a person with like a low, just, just a lot of trauma, um, this deck really resonates with me. Um, Highly recommend checking it out, but there is a person inside a trunk and the trunk has 10 swords in the top, almost like a magician's trunk and their arms are kind of hanging outside of the trunk and the swords have not pierced the person. They're just in the top of like this chest, but the person is just kind of like, none of this is heavy enough that it can keep me locked inside this box. And so for me, like it just really encapsulates for me what it means to, 
Oh my God, coming in just in right now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ends his Republican presidential campaign. <gasps> oh. Oh. <laughs> that's that's a ten of swords moment right fucking there. Right fucking there. Right fucking there. <laughs> oh. Listen, this isn't this doesn't solve a whole lot because that probably means that Trump is going to become the Republican candidate. But for the love of God, like not having to worry about Ron DeSantis, who is just like plowing Florida into the fucking sewer. God, what a gross, gross, gross man. OK, well, there's some there's some Ten of Swords collective energy for you. It's not always a sad thing. Sometimes it truly is this chance to like, hey, nobody, nobody's throwing swords anymore. I think I can peek my head out of this box. It's safe to do so now. And that's a good comforting thing. I, I, I think a lot of people fear the Ten of Swords. I, on the other hand, have always looked at that as a card of like reassurance that we have taken everything. We have taken every single sword thrown at us and we have lived and we have survived. Like we've been through the worst. We can keep moving forward. And like I said, like nobody's throwing swords anymore. We can peek our heads out of this box. Um, really, I want to leave us all with Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the president of the of the presidential race. So, uh, you know, we're just going to end on a high note. Goodbye. Is that what you're going to call it, though? Is that what you're going to call it? Do I get to name it? Stars and shit! Hey, everybody. Welcome to Stars and Shit, your dose of astrology with Gabe. So I have something special, I think, today. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. I want to talk about some astrology with Jacqueline and introduce something that, if it goes well, I think that we'll continue to talk about and to reference, and I'm, I'm excited about it. So I'm going to introduce it here, and then I'm going to bring in my wife. Um, this, this episode, I think, will drop early on Patreon, and then this will be at the episode that will come out the week of the 22nd. By that time, we will already be into into the astrology part like the the transit will have already come through um but it doesn't mean that we like we missed it um this is a very slow moving transit so we're just gonna it's okay to take our time to understand it and um mostly i just want to see how we do talking about it and combining some tarot and astrology which i'd really like to figure out how to do in, in our own cool way so Hang on just a second, and I'll bring in my wife. All right, I went and got Jacqueline out of the closet. She was hide where she was hiding. I'm coming out. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just being a guest on my own podcast. <laughs> yes, our special guest today is the person you just heard from. Um. So he told me I'm not allowed to talk until after he says the word deacon. So if I seem unusually quiet, just know it's under duress. It's it's Deccan and I have a script. <laughs> OK, so I'll go over the astro data. So this is about. <laughs> I'm Walter Cronkite and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry. OK, I'm actually shutting up. We take ourselves seriously. Just go with it. <laughs> 
Astrologers are nerdy. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the sun conjoins Pluto in Capricorn on January 20th at 7.45 a.m. And then the same day, the sun enters Aquarius January 20th at 8.07 a.m. So that's like, you know, 15 minutes later. Thank you. <laughs> there was no avoiding it. I'm so Listen, I'm not allowed to speak, mic. but you said nothing about bodily function. I suppose I didn't. Um, then, so the sun enters Aquarius at 8.07. Pluto enters Aquarius at 6.56 p.m. on January 20th. Um, so all this is happening at the same time, which just to talk about the profoundness that these are all happening at the same time is astronomically astrologically right i didn't mean that that's kind of a pun it, they they don't work when you tell people it's a pun <laughs> you just have to say it and then people go <laughs> um so i'll go through my list of significations of of the energies that come through when a sun pluto any combination of sun pluto happens um the sun setting power in transformation Demons living in the shadows of our ambitions. Death of any kind. Something funny about <laughs> that. Death of any kind. Well, there's many types. Great. <laughs> living symbolically or looking deeper for meaning. Looking within for enlightenment. Similar thing. Exposing what lies beneath the ego. Uh, changing the plot reworking one's life path through the destruction of old ways. Um, a spiritual yearning for death, which is actually a reference to a few things, but among them is the gospel of Mary Magdalene. And You know how I feel about the gospel of Mary Magdalene. Uh, I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> um, I love the gospel of Mary Magdalene. Yeah, so, um, and uh, I guess I elaborate on that. If if you want, um, I really really love the gospel of Mary Magdalene. <laughs> what about the yearning, the spiritual yearn for death? Like I know you can identify since you read the book and you like it and everything. Read the well, book. Read, read the, the book. Well, okay. So the one of my favorite books. This is more for people who grew up religious. Like if you didn't grow up religious, this book may not mean as much to you. But for people who did, uh, Mary Magdalene revealed by Megan Watterson. It was pretty instrumental in my spiritual spirituality and my practice and whatever else but essentially like it, the gospel of mary magdalene talks about like historically what she and jesus were to each other and what they were actually teaching and how the whole point of what they were teaching was finding a little bit of god and divine in yourself and you know, had kind of going through like a death process in regards to that, like internally um, and and coming out on the other side. And there's a lot to it. I don't mm -hmm. I read the book. No. Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Go check it out if you want. Um, what was the name of the book again? Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. Megan Watterson. I have read the book um, and it was it was very good. Um, so that's kind of the Sun Pluto energy. So uh, next thing I want to talk about are the decans. Oh, I can talk. What <laughs> I, you know decans. what a fun... Oh, wait, hold on. You know what a really fun game would be? Just like if you're listening back to this episode ever, it would just be to drink anytime I interrupt Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> Notice how at the beginning she was like, Gabe said not to interrupt 
dropped. You we... asked me a question. <laughs> no, that one was good. So the Deccans are like I like I did in said in the intro. This is a way that blends astrology and tarot. And if if you guys like this, I think I'd like to try and do this a little bit more. I mean, expand on it. So I'll explain the Deccans really quickly. Um, they are a division of the zodiac signs into three sections of 10 degrees each. I won't go nuts, but simply put, if a circle is 360 degrees all the way around, the zodiac signs are divided into slices of 30 degrees, the root word being deca, meaning 10. Uh, divide each zodiac sign into three parts. This was a contribution from the ancient Egyptians, and similar. it's a similar way to how they kept time throughout the year. The Deccans have a planetary ruler, a fixed star ruler, a number of deities associated with them, and dun dun dun, a tarot card. I just need you all it. to know that he wrote that out on his phone. Like he didn't just do dun dun dun. He has it written on his phone. I guarantee you, he is this whole thing scripted. I do. I'm unscripted. I'm here to fuck around and find out. Gabe's here to. <laughs> yeah, she's the chaos. <laughs> I just, and I yes, just, I did write I... out dun dun dun. dun, dun. dun. <laughs> I absolutely did. I'm, I'm deceased. <laughs> Get it? Because of that whole Pluto thing? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, last thing on the deck. It's less funny because I explained it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pamela Coleman Smith did not base her images on the Deccans, to my knowledge or to anyone's knowledge. Um, but there are decks out there that do. Um, Divine Deccan Tarot is one of them. A Picatrix. Deccans card deck. Um, I believe the Thoth deck does, but there's some liberties that the. Are you telling of me that, that Alistair Crowley took liberties by taking something that was like a whole unit of spirituality or section of spirituality that was only already like fully defined and then took it and then bastardized it for his own personal gain? I think that's exactly. What happened? Uh, we did do a whole episode on Aleister Crowley. So for you, Crowley, that's how Ozzy said it. Ozzy Osbourne. Realize we may not we may not be speaking to an older audience here. Sometimes there is like several eighty year old people like fuck you. <laughs> Hell yeah, guys! <laughs> you know Ozzy. Fuck you! I'm friends with him. <laughs> so, um, getting to the meat here, the Deccans that we are going to talk about are the ones at the very end of Capricorn and the very beginning of Aquarius, because that's where Sun and Pluto are going to hold hands and walk across the threshold together. The third decan of Capricorn is ruled by the Sun and the Four of Pentacles, and the first decan of Aquarius is ruled by Venus and the Five of Swords. So, Jacqueline. We are moving from the Four of Pentacles into the Five of Swords. What the heck does that mean? Well, as someone completely certified in astrology, I'll tell you. Uh, as someone who invented the deacons, that was a tambourine. I'm not even shitting you. That was literally a tambourine I just grabbed. All right. Uh, we're moving from the Four of Pentacles to the Five of Swords. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you're moving chronologically. Um, so what would be interesting, I guess, about that, and I don't actually, I don't know how helpful I'm going to be here because I'm just kind of talking to you about how I would read 
I think that's what I want to know first. I also have the significations of Pluto and Capricorn and Pluto and Aquarius. So you already know? No. And you're making me <laughs> no, they, psychic myself into here? Here's, let me explain this more for everybody and for Jacqueline. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to discover here is essentially validating the decans and the cards associated with this energy. I want to see what we can pull from a tarot card and layer it over what we know about astrology. And so my significations of Pluto and Capricorn may have some crossover. If there was a Venn diagram of Pluto and Capricorn and the Four of Pentacles, I want to find those things. That's my goal. Okay. So just talk about the cards at this point. Great. We're moving I don't, from this to that. I don't know anything about those signs or what they Good. Contain. I think that's better. Good. Good, good. So the Four of Pentacles, um, fours are about the universe of the self. In the Four of Pentacles, you have this person and... They have one pentacle on their head, another pentacle in their like hands kind of cradled to their chest, uh, and then two pentacles under their feet. Some people would read this card as someone who is miserly or keeping things to themselves, um, which could be kind of a facet of this card. It could talk about letting go of like physical control. It could talk about the need to control things. It could talk about the need for physical safety or for physical stability. Um, it could talk about you know, getting your ducks in a row and knowing what you, and kind of like getting more familiar with what you as a person need or what your role is in something. I think um, when we did this episode, we did it with my good friend, Laura, and she made the point that when she looks at this card, it always kind of reminds her of like the aligning of chakras. And I think that is a very interesting point that she made. That's like bringing up an old episode that was like the fourth or third yeah. one we released. So you have to go way back there. But um, I always kind of keep that in mind as well. Like, are you feeling aligned? Are you feeling good? What does your body need? Uh, are you holding on to something too tightly? Is there something you need to let go of? Is there something you need to actually be holding on to? Those are all kinds of things that I look into when I'm talking about this card. Okay. Well, let's just focus on that one for a second. Um, I'll read my Pluto and Capricorn that I have right here, which is Yearning to sacrifice for a goal or achievement, breaking down and building up slowly, slow, determined perfection. <laughs> Would you like to interject? I'm breaking down, I'm breaking down slowly, something, something you don't even know me, apart from this whole world who shares my faith. You know, Reliant K. All right, Reliant Nobody? K made it in. <laughs> You're Pluto and Capricorn. Thanks, Reliant K. And Jacqueline. <laughs> Okay, I'll start over. Yearning <laughs> yearning to sacrifice for a goal or achievement. Breaking down and building up slowly. Shh. Slow, <laughs> determined perfection. Maintaining traditions. Building wealth. Greed. Conservatism. Conservativism. <laughs> Help me. Conservatism? Conservatism. Like the, like the political party or no. like or no, like conserving your energy because that's also no, a... we're deeper than politics here it's... i said conserving your energy yeah or money or resources nice uncle scrooge the deep question of what do we deserve sacrificing the needs for a goal carrying a burden for a long time mm. the myth of Kronos consuming his children whole to stay in power well that came out of left field a little bit <laughs> so I saw a number of um, similarities. Um, when you said miserly, keeping things to themselves, control, stability, like 
Uncle Scrooge building wealth, greed, man- maintaining traditions, doing things the same way. Like, maybe there is something here within this transition. Not even, maybe let's just talk personally for a second. Um, maybe there's something with the shift that we do need to shift from, that we're holding on to too tightly, that we're that we're holding and piling up like Uncle Scrooge, whether it's emotions, whether it's a way of doing things, whether it's the literal you know, thinking broad, more broadly than ourselves and collectively, like the greed of the United States just hoarding money and the the rich getting richer and the poorer getting poorer kind of thing, like... I could see that on a, like a collective, uh, on a collective scale, really translating. Yeah. What are you reading? I had an alarm go off to tell me when some book retro book merch that from the book series I love was going live, and it just buzzed. I got really excited. This is ADHD on microphone, ladies and gentlemen. I, I got really excited. I'm not going to tell you, but look, it's Lysandra. <laughs> I'm, I genuinely like, don't judge me. Just, 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 just re-say what you were saying. Don't be mean to me. I'm very excited about the, I'm very excited about the I will, I will wait for you. Okay. Well, you can keep going. I'm done. Oh. I was waiting for you to interject. I'm, that was me handing it to you. Well, I think that anytime you don't want me to talk, you should just show me book merch. Okay, remind me where we were. I'm, it's gonna sell, I'm so sorry, it's gonna sell out. <laughs> Keep going, I'm listening. Repeat what you said. We'll just move on, because I have no idea what it is. Okay, so moving on to Pluto and Aquarius, which is where we are going. The last one was where we were, and now we are going towards Pluto and Aquarius. So what do you think about the Five of Swords? So the Five of Swords, I'll just tell you what the card means. The Five is a contraction. The Five of Swords is, uh, it's got this person and they're holding three swords. There are two swords on the ground. They're grinning. There's one guy on the far back and their head is in their hands and they're kind of standing by the water. And this other person is kind of walking towards them. The idea is that both of these people fought this one person and lost their swords. So this, and and the weather behind them is kind of stormy, which kind of goes through the entirety of the swords deck. Like it's very, it's very windy card because the element of this deck or this suit is air. So in the five of swords, you're dealing with kind of this energy of feeling like regret in some way or prideful in a way that's detrimental to your health or somebody else's health it can also kind of talk about this feeling of losing something you feel like you really needed when at the end of the day it's just a blip on your radar rather than like the end all be all of something like an example of this would be like you lose out on getting a job which is really disappointing only to find out that you get a better one later or this person that you thought you were really into ghosts you and you have all of this like you feel a little silly and you have a lot of regret only to find out that they were kind of an asshole and you ended up dating somebody really good next. So it's a little bit of this momentary contraction of would have, could have, should have. 
But the idea of the card is reminding you that like you can't go back in time. You can only move forward. So hold space for, for that loss. Hold space for what you feel you missed out on and then find a way to go forward because there's so much more to gain than there is to lose at this point. Okay, Pluto and Aquarius that I have written down here is evolution and the shadows that surround it. The right ideas but the wrong time or the right time but the wrong idea. Um, conflicting ideals. Destructive innovation like an atomic bomb would be like the Pluto version. And Pluto is uh, Pluto's a big transformative, destructive treasure, secrets, underworld, subconscious. Um, so Pluto and Aquarius, progress for the sake of progress. Pushing on Capricorn a little bit with, which is more of preserve the old ways. Um, so on the, on the more upbeat side, the, the mother of invention is necessity. Um, so whenever there needs to be a change, that's when you might be the most creative. Um, so you think about that, like, ang that anxious, like, we have to do this now, or like leaving things to the last moment, bringing progressive ideals into proof, uh, fruition, mm -hmm. uh, actively changing things for the better. And um, the myth of Zeus breaking out of his father, Kronos, to bring about a new era and basically overthrow Kronos. So I did see some crossover whenever, like, losing what you needed. I see some of that. Mostly I see, like, Capricorn. Like, the, the history of Capricorn where you tried to keep everything you needed and hoard everything you needed. Like, maybe you just don't need... Maybe you just don't need what you thought you did. And then with the Five of Swords, you talked about regret and the truth and the element of air. Um, would have, should have, could have. So you're kind of looking back at everything in Capricorn that, um, or in that era, which is, that era is between, like, from 2008 to 2009, like from from then all the way till now, 2024, that's how long Pluto has been in Capricorn. Um, and Pluto actually ingressed into Aquarius about the same time last year and then retrograded back into Capricorn. And now we're moving back into Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So we've already kind of felt this before. This is a repeat of a similar energy from last year. It might have been something that was... Like I, like I remember right at the beginning of last year, there was a ton of AI stuff that was coming out. Yeah. And all of this really cool, innovative ways of new ways of being productive. Mm -hmm. And you think of like the old way of doing things, which might have been taking out a piece of paper and writing your script for your news broadcast. Whereas now you could go to chat GPT and have it basically write the whole thing for you in a matter of minutes. Yeah, but that's no bueno. It's not. It's no bueno. And as a musician, I also have withholdings with some of the AI technology that's come out that can basically write a symphony for you. The The same task would take a musician, you know, an incalculable, incalculable amount of time and energy to do. And you could argue about the quality of all mm -hmm. that stuff. But um, so I see... I see more of like the remnants of Capricorn being a bigger factor in this 
in this Five of Swords than anything, just personally. Maybe more like looking back on what, you know, looking back on what happened and where where things kind of fell and what your wins and what your losses were and kind of taking account and taking tally. That's another way that card can come up. Like taking a moment to, rather than focusing on the the wins and the losses and the pride and the ego of that, focusing in on more on like what you're left with. Like what did what did you gain? What are you left with? What are the lessons you learned there? And how do you how are you going to carry those with you? Whether you lost the swords or you gained them, it's not so much about that as what you learned in the process of doing it. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, especially when you mentioned the ego, um, because that is a lot of what Pluto and the sun together, the sun is more, is pretty an egoic figure in, in the chart. I think whatever egoic pain that you may feel when you get there, when you are counting your losses, I think this transition specifically is is about maybe the egoic weight that comes from trying something new, mm-hmm. doing something differently, and learning that what you did before wasn't good. There could be shame, guilt. There could be fear of the future and fear of the past and all those regrets like what you were talking about. Yeah. So super interesting. Um, was not sure totally because I, I know I know some tarot. I'm not nearly as um, literate as Jacqueline is with the cards. Um, I did know those cards a little bit, but definitely having your insight and digging deeper and what it can come up for in a reading, I think, is just invaluable information in analyzing these decans. So I'd love to I'd love to do this again whenever something big comes through. Are you going to invite me back? Uh-huh. You're going to invite me back? Yeah, I'll invite you. <clears throat> Even though I got distracted by mer- book merch? You will always be distracted. But it was the release date. You don't understand. <laughs> I can't control when it releases and they go real fast. People really... You're forgiven. You're going to feel so silly when I'm wearing my Manon shirt and you're jealous as fuck. Manon, do you want to see it before you get all judgy? I'm... That's... Manon. Yeah, that's Manon. We love Manon. All right. Thanks, guys. If you're liking this, I'd love to hear from you. If you're experiencing some of this, because when this comes out on the podcast episode, this will be in the midst of it happening. There's a a full moon. um, There's a full moon happening very soon after this podcast episode probably comes out. So we might be feeling the bulk of it right there. A full moon in Leo, which is also ruled by the sun. So double time. Anyway. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me, Gabe, on my own podcast. You're so welcome for my presence.